Happy Sabbath, church family. Wow. The Lord was praised in his house today. So far, I should say. I was deeply blessed uh, by the wonderful presentation of music. Uh, I just felt heaven was rejoicing. To see the people of God all praising his name. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to the sister that sang that beautiful song. I also want to just say a few words of uh, deep gratitude to the leadership of the Garland uh, Faith Community Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, I, I really am thankful for this and I'm honored by this invitation to share the word of the Lord with you. So yes, I, I, I'm grateful for the invitation to be here with you. I'm honored. It's so good to see the membership and friends here today. And I know that God, God is a God of uh, tremendous blessings. Amen? Amen? He loves his people so much. And I'm also thankful to the Texas Conference and Pastor David Runnels uh, for his leadership. And uh, God is good. Let me just say that God is good. And he has a word for us this morning, this afternoon. And um, just invite you to take your Bibles in hand. And today I'd like to share with you on the topic wholeheartedly. Let me hear you say that word. Wholeheartedly. The scripture says in Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord is running to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therein from henceforth thou shalt have wars. In our world today, there are some people who are like the Apostle Peter. At one point in their life, they followed God from afar. Are you with me? There are others in our world today who are like the Laodiceans in the book of Revelation. In the Christian church today, who follow God with a divided heart or with divided loyalties, they are neither hot nor cold. There are those in our world today, who choose for various reasons not to follow the Lord at all. 
Bible says in regarding to all three categories, that they will come when they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And none of these people will enter the heavenly kingdom. But there are those in our world today who are like the biblical character called Caleb. Whose life we shall study this today. Who follow God wholeheartedly. Like Caleb, they possess an unwavering belief. A contagious self-denial. And a passion for kingdom expansion. But these people, the almighty creator God and redeemer says, his eyes are upon them to support them. Where do we find ourselves today? Let's pray. Our Father, this holy Sabbath day, we gather on this sacred on this sacred day, experiencing the presence of your holiness. Our hearts are filled with joy to know that we can sing, we can praise, we can, we can cry out to you, we can, we can worship you. So now as we turn our attention, Father, to the word, we ask that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit upon us all. I pray that you would edify us. But I also pray, Father, that you would transform us. I submit all that I am into your hands, Father. You know how much I love you. I just give you all of my faculties, willingly, I submit them over to you, to be used by you. Because someone here today will hear your words and will be saved. Someone here will hear your words today and will be changed forever. Someone here will hear your words and will leave this place and lead a ministry that will propel your gospel far deep and wide as possible. And so, Father, speak to me and through me. And may you get all the glory and the praise because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Caleb is one of those obscure characters in the Bible, but yet still, he does have some fame because of the things he did. If you can remember, he was one of the 12 tribe, 12 spies that was chosen by God and Moses to enter the promised land. You remember him? You know, Caleb was born a Kenizzite, which meant that he was a Gentile. The scripture doesn't trace all of his lineage for us. However, 
One man says, most likely, one theologian, most likely Caleb was captured by Egyptians who brought him to work with the Israelites and he became integrated in the life of Israel and its culture. So it, Caleb was a Gentile who was grafted in, so to speak, with the Israelites. And from what we can tell, most much of the first 40 years of Caleb's life was spent with God's people in bondage in Egypt. Mm. It was during this time that Caleb the Gentile rose to prominence among the people of God and became chief of the tribe of Judah. Can you imagine what God can do to people who are grafted into his people? God doesn't see nationality. What he looks at is the what? Heart. He looks at the heart. I'm sure you remember the story very well. It was shortly after the giving of the law that God told Moses to choose the leader, choose a leader from each of the tribes of Israel to go into the land of promise and do what? And spy it out. I want you to just follow me, friends. And they were supposed to go into the land for 40 days, look around, and come back with a report back to the children of Israel. Bible said in Genesis 15 verse 8 that this land, 18, this land that they went to spy out was a land of promise. God had promised this land to the people. And when God promised something, you can bank on it. If God says this is yours, it is yours. And no devil or hell can prevent it. God gave them a promise that this land would be theirs. What God promises, he will make sure that it happens. On the same day, the Bible says in Genesis 15, verse 18, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. There were ten of the spies. Oh my, my. You know, can someone here today give me one of the names of those ten spies? Come on, y'all, someone. Not quite. <laughs> but I know why you said that. I know exactly why you said that. All right? Because the fact is, son, guess what? Most people don't even know one name from one of the ten spies that brought back a bad report. But you're right. The two names that we do know are Caleb and Joshua because, you know what? They remembered God's promise. And they brought back, pastor, a good report. Some of the things the ten spies said were like the city was big and the city was fortified. There's absolutely no way we can go in and take the land that God promised us. In fact, the people they said were strong. They were like what? Giants. In fact, they, they were cannibals. They were eating their own. I mean, I mean, we don't want to be eaten by them. 
Why go and possess this land? The people were so big. They were from the land of the, of the Anakims. You know, that's where Goliath came from. Remember Goliath? Big and tall. No match for David. But all David could see was this. That this giant is so big, how can I miss him? They looked at the people and they brought back the report and said, these people view us as grasshoppers. And we view ourselves like that too in their sight. Can you imagine that? Thinking of themselves as less than others when they had their mighty God who brought them through that journey up to this point. Said, man, we, we can't take this land People are big. They're like giants. When the people heard this, the Bible said they were terrified. In fact, the word said they what? Melted. They melted. See, the devil knows exactly how to melt us. Throw some challenges before us to let us forget that there's still a living God in heaven and earth. told Moses that they would like to go back to Egypt. How can they do that? They're coming out of bondage. They're now facing some challenges. And now they're saying to Moses, Moses, we want a new leader. And we want this leader to take us back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to the bondage under Pharaoh. How could the people say this? How could they trust have eroded to such a point? In Numbers 14, verse 8, Joshua and, and, and Caleb spoke up. And you know what they said? They said, Ella Stewart, they said, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land. Praise the Lord for a good report. Amen? He will lead us into the land. A land flowing with what? Milk and honey. And will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will devour them. Can you imagine that? God was, he was speaking through these two men. So we can take it. We got God on our side. There's no problem too difficult for God. God has said, if you don't believe me, if you don't follow me wholeheartedly and don't forget my promises, I will take you wherever I want you to be. Do not be afraid. And then Caleb, can you imagine Caleb? Caleb stepped to the forefront. And the Bible said when he stepped up before the people, he silenced the people. That is so powerful. They're all afraid, you know. They're all scared of what's about to happen. And Caleb stepped up, and everybody did what? Calm down. What a spirit. I mean, the man Caleb, he's, just, he's an attractive Christian. He's a contagious Christian. We're going to talk more about that. But Caleb said, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we 
certainly can do it. After hearing this, you know what the people did? The people started plotting together to stone them. That's what they were doing, plotting together to stone Joshua and Caleb. You see, the first thing we learn from Caleb's life, a life lived wholeheartedly to God, is that Caleb was a person who possessed an unwavering belief in God. Possess a what? If you want to be a, 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 a person whose heart is wholeheartedly following God, you have to have that unwavering uh, belief. It, it really shouldn't matter. I should say. If, if God said it, then it will happen. Amen? Amen. If God promised it, it will come to pass. So we ought to believe in God and not man. God is trustworthy. You see, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are in our life. The main, the main constant in our life is God. He doesn't change. Circumstances might change, y'all. But guess who is always right there supporting those who wholeheartedly follow him? God. He doesn't change. And we can trust his word. What matters is what God says. It really doesn't matter how foolish it might seem to others. Are you hearing me, folk? Uh, that, that you serve and worship a God who forgives sins and free you from the guilt and shame of the past by dying on a cross. It really, it really, it, it's, it's a foolish idea to those out there, Paul said to the Corinthians. A God who, who, who took upon himself our sins and, and, and buried on the cross and was buried in the tomb on the Sabbath day, as the brother uh, mentioned, and raised to glory on Sunday morning. Thereby, when he, when, he, when he was raised from the dead, he secured and he guaranteed our resurrection if we should die before he comes back. I mean, what a marvelous God who forgives. What a marvelous God who empowers. What a marvelous God who gives a hope of eternity. It is a blessing Amen. to believe and trust in the God of heaven. Amen. Oh, my, my friends, to many of Paul's day, uh, this might seem uh, as foolishness. In fact, the Greek word that he used is the word for morons. It sounds moronic to many in the Corinthian church, the idea of the cross. But Paul said, to me, to me, let me tell you something about this cross. Paul, is, Paul shared with them how the cross provides grace to humanity. How it changed his very life. And how it gave him power to overcome sin. And when Paul looked at all of that, Paul said, listen, to you it might seem as foolishness, but to me it's the literal power of God. That word, that word comes from the Greek word uh, 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 that, that, that we use today as dynamite, dunamis. Paul is saying, listen, my changed life is 
proof that God provides power that's like dynamite. Amen. Hallelujah. It can burst through all addictions. It can burst through all bad habits. It can turn the sinner into a saint. If you only believe, if you only follow God and trust him wholeheartedly with an unwavering belief, everything is possible. Come on, friends. Caleb placed his life and belief in the God of heaven. You see, friends, listen to this. Unbelief is what brought the people, brought upon the people judgment. Unbelief will bring people straight to hell. What if you hear me, folk? This is Bible. In fact, Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus said, Whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. But whoever does not believe would be what? Condemned. Hebrews 3, verse 19, so we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Unbelief. This is Paul writing again here in the Hebrews. He's saying that the reason why they didn't enter the land was because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief kept them out of the land. You know for how long? Oh, my, my. They were right on the edge, you know. They were about to press through to victory. But yet still they end up spending 40 years walking around because of what? Unbelief. Look at the Bible here. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, For God so loved them that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not what? But have For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not what? But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Unbelief will keep you from eternity. Oh my, my friends, look at, look, at, look at the picture God paints here in Numbers. In Numbers chapter 14, look at the picture now. Not one, God said, not one of you will enter the land. I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. So in other words, I'm going to bring two males here, and these two brothers are Joshua and Caleb. Everybody 20 years and under, they will possess the land, but over that, guess what? You'll all die. Right where you are. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. For 40 years, listen to God, 
for 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored. Can you see God? The land. I am going to give you one year for each day you spend in the land spying out, and you will suffer for 40 years in the wilderness. You will suffer for your sins and know what is like, know what it is like to have me against you. Wow, what a what a word. You know, you know, for, folks, see, we, we, need to, we need to understand who God is clearly. Because when we talk about God, we, a lot of times we forget that the God we serve, the God of heaven and earth, he is a God of wrath. We can, and, and that's a part of the good news of the gospel as well. He is so holy. He is so holy, he, he cannot embrace sin. That's who he is. In fact, in fact, I, I, I won't forget, you know, when it comes to God and God and his wrath, I heard one pastor shared that, hey, listen, many times we say we're saved from what? Sin, right? They ask people, what are you saved from? Sin. But the pastor said, you know what? Really, when you think about it, we are all saved from God himself. We are saved from God himself. Because guess what? God had to come up with a way to protect people from his wrath. And that's the good news of the gospel. He provided a substitute. Hallelujah. The man Christ Jesus, his only begotten son. God is a God of love, but through his love we also see his wrath. He will punish sin. And he will separate it from the world forever one day. But he wants to save every single person upon planet earth who believes. Who follows him wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere. But because, listen to this. Numbers 14 and verse 24. Turning your Bibles to it. Very, very powerful. We ought to know this text. We ought to line, put a line under this text right here. Numbers 14 and verse 24. Never forget it. The Bible says, after God laid out his judgments upon the people, now God said, sister, listen to what he said. But because my servant who? Caleb. Caleb has a different one. It's not like Caleb's spirit was different from Joshua's spirit or whatever. He's just talking about a believing spirit. Because Caleb expressed belief. And follows me how? And follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. The key, the key to, to, to God is following him wholeheartedly. Not with a divided heart, not with a foot on the fence, but a full unwavering belief. Oh, my friends, back in the days, there was a fellow by the name of Christopher Hitchens, one of the world's most renowned atheists. 
He wrote a book that was called God is Not Great. Well known throughout the world at that time, but he died back in 2011. And when he died, a minister sent a tweet that, goes, that went throughout the world for people who listened to this man. The tweet was a very profound tweet, he said. He said these words. Hitchens, speaking of Christopher Hitchens, he said, is an excruciating reminder, meaning his life and death, was an excruciating reminder of the consequences of unbelief. We can only pray others will believe, he said. And then he continued by saying, few things are so valued in this life as brilliance and excellence and eloquence. Neither will matter in the world to come. And then, whew, he said, the point about Christopher Hitchens is not that he died of unbelief but that his unbelief is all that matters now. It's all that matters what? Because you see, when a person dies in unbelief, that is it. There's no hope of a resurrection. Their life is done forever. But when you sleep in Jesus, hallelujah, there will come a trumpet one day that will sound. And those who sleep in Jesus will one day what? Rise to glory. Yes. Belief is far better than unbelief. Yes. Belief lands you in heaven. Unbelief lands you in hell. Following man lands you in hell. Following God lands you in the heavenly Canaan. Yes. Hallelujah. Anybody here want to profess? A full, unwavering belief in Jesus? Anybody here? Oh, praise the Lord. We continue the journey. Second thing, just bear with me, folk. God laid this on my heart. I need to get it out. But God said, listen, the second reason why Caleb was a, was a person who followed me wholeheartedly is because Caleb was a person who, has a, who had a contagious self-denial. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua. I'm reading Joshua 14, verse 11, verse 6. And Caleb, the son of Zephaniah, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me? So now, listen, so, so Caleb, at this point now, are you following the narrative? Yes. At this point now, they, they, they are now on the, uh, in, the, in, in the position where, where Joshua is now dividing up the land. Are you following? Yes. I mean, the 40 years has passed, right? The land is now being divided up. And so now, Joshua, as he's doing that, Caleb stepped forward. He said, Joshua, I have something I need to remind you about. You can't forget this, Joshua. Both of us, we were in the trenches together, Jew and Gentile. We were in the trenches together, right? And... Don't forget, he said, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from where? 
Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my what? In my heart. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Thank you. And Moses, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the what? Heart of the people met, but I wholly followed the Lord. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land thereupon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, Caleb said, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said. For forty and what? Five years. Four to five years have passed. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years, as yet I am, watch this, as strong this day as I was what? In the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. Both to go out and to what? Sorry, sorry, I don't want to miss this part because this part is so powerful, friends. Let me read over again. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. You can't miss that, friends. Those two words. I'm, I'm strong now as I was then for war. You got to be strong for war. Are you following? You got to be healthy, mind, body, and spirit for, for the spiritual battle that we're in today. And he's saying that uh, I'm ready for war. And I'm strong now as I was then. Forty-five years has passed. Caleb is now 85 years old. To be 85 years old and feel like you're 40, I want to know this man. I want to know what this man is doing. Come on, y'all. I mean, whatever he is doing, I want some of it. Because when I get to 85, that's how I want to feel. Are you with me, folk? There's something contagious about this man. How did he get to 85 feeling so strong, ready for battle? Everybody wants to know this man just like Jesus. Everybody wants to know him. Because guess what? He was so strong. Every day he was out there doing his thing and people were being healed and everyone coming to him. Everybody wanted to know who is this man called Jesus? There's something about him that was attractive. Something about him that was, that was so contagious. People wanted to know him. You see, when the Bible used the word heart, it really is not talking about the pop. Y'all know that, right? It's really talking about the mind. So this is another word that I came up with, Pastor. Rather than wholeheartedly, the word could also be whole-mindedly. I patterned that, so don't go around using it. I saw that from the scripture, y'all. God is saying, this man followed me whole-mindedly. His mind is clear. His mind is ready. He's prepared daily to do battle. He's not foggy. He's not depressed. His mind is strong. His body is strong as well. Oh, 
my friends, this man called Caleb. It means, whole-mindedly, giving one's whole mind and attention and focus over to something. You see, there is a great battle that takes place in all of our minds. And when you think about it, the Bible described three things that are against us. The Bible says the enemy of our soul is against us. So we have spiritual beings, the devil, and all of his imps working against us. The Bible says we live in a flesh that's also against us. Are, are you seeing, seeing this thing? And then the Bible also says we have a world around us that's always tempting us. How can we survive? How can we thrive when we have all these forces coming against us? The only way is this. we got to be whole-mindedly. Our mind have to be completely devoted to the God of heaven and the things of the God. And nothing else. Caleb was not only healthy spiritually, but Caleb was also healthy physically and emotionally. Oh my, his mind was clear, his body was strong, and he was an attractive, contagious Christian. The gospel is not just news, friends. What did I just say? If you know anything about me, you'll know I love the prophecies. That's, that's, I love that. I love sharing that. I love teaching it. But I tell you, friends, that's news. The gospel is not just news. The gospel is good news. In fact, it's not just good news. It's astonishingly good news. You can't compare it to nothing else. It's so good, the gospel can change a person who is on drugs and take them off it and make them sober. A person who is strung out on alcohol, a weed head, an adulterer, you name it. The, the gospel can take a person where they are and lift them up to somewhere, some, someplace higher. The gospel changes life. It is that powerful. The gospel can turn our minds from things that we love to eat, love to watch, love to listen to. Are you here, my friends? Love to touch all of the senses where we have no control over them. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died on Calvary Hill, Calvary's Hill, can bring us a hatred for those things. A what? A hatred for those things. I'm reminded. I'm reminded of a story. And I, I'm coming to my last point here, but just bear with me. Because the gospel is so good, i got to share it. <laughs> the story is told of, of a, a group of, of girls who were in this high school. And you know what they were doing, Ella Titus? Every day after school, you know what they'll do? They'll go into the, the ladies' room, and they will all bring a different color lipstick. And they would draw all kinds of things on the glass there inside the ladies' room. And the poor janitor who have to come after them, ready to clean that bathroom every day, would spend hours just trying to take that off the mirror. He got so frustrated, he went to the principal and he said, listen, I've been talking to these ladies about this. They're not listening. You need to talk to them. So they, they talked about a plan 
the principal and this custodian. And you know what the plan was? One afternoon, they invited all the, the, the young ladies to the restroom right after school. Yeah, and so they all came to the, to the restroom, right? And the, the principal said to the, to the ladies there, you know, I've been telling you, day after they stopped doing this, and uh, I, I just want to share with you ladies what our janitor has to go through every single evening when you leave with this mess. And they're like laughing. <laughs> so the principal looked at the janitor and said, okay, do your thing. So while they were there looking at all the mess they created, the janitor stepped before them, took out the brush right beside the toilet, and spin it around in the toilet. <laughs> Step up before them and say, this is what I have to do to clean this mirror every day you kiss. Okay, <laughs> see? They would put lipstick on, and they would all kiss the mirror. This. And the ladies there, they're seeing that, Look at what I've been kissing every day. And they were so horrified. Of course, that was just a, a, a trick they were playing on them. But you know, none of those ladies ever did that again. And the point is this. God can make the things that you love today, he can turn it into a hatred. So you run from it and you never go back to it. All because of the power that the gospel provides. My final thought, and then I'll leave you here today. <laughs> Hello, but thank you. Thank you so much. The fact is, the gospel is so powerful. It involves, it involves self-denial, friends. It involves self-denial. I, 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 can't, I can't go to my next point without saying this. Jesus said to his disciples, if any man come after me, any man want to follow me holy? Anyone want to follow Jesus holy today? Anyone? Here's what Jesus said. It's a part of the gospel. You can't separate self-denial from the gospel. Because that's the power right there. That's the resurrection power. You can't separate taking care of your health from the gospel. It's a part of what God does in keeping us what? Wholeheartedly. Are you following, friend? Keeping us clear in mind and thought. It's all a package. Just to what Jesus said, Matthew 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. So we can't say, listen, we want Jesus, but we can do anything else we want to do. We can look how Jesus lived in keeping himself healthy, body, mind, and spirit, but we can eat and do anything we want to do with our bodies that is the temple of God. This is gospel message because God knows we're in a war. Are you with me, friends? And we got to be wholeheartedly when we follow Jesus. Amen. Following Jesus means that we, we work with the fruit of the Spirit that He provides. And one of that fruit, one of the that, that, uh, part of that fruit, I should say, that he provides is the fruit of temperance. Are you here, my friends? Or another word there is what? Self-control. But we have no control. You know that, right? 
We are, we are so weak, and that's why the gospel steps in and says, I not only forgive you, I not only free you from guilt and shame, but I provide you with resurrection power, just like Jesus had, to help you with your habits. And that's the gospel, friends. It's a holistic gospel. It's a gospel of following God wholeheartedly. Finally, Caleb followed God wholeheartedly because he had a passion for kingdom expansion. He had a passion for what? Verse 11, Joshua 14, And yet I, as I am strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength what? For war. His strength was for war. Both to go out and to what? Now therefore, he said, give me this mountain where the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the city was great and fenced. If so, the Lord will be with me, then I shall what? Be able to drive them out. Don't miss that point. War, drive out. Caleb is seeing a mission here. The mission is not accomplished yet, God. There's still territory. There's still territory to, to overtake. There's still, there's, we need to expand. Let's expand the good news that you bring to people. We have some giants over there that we need to slaughter. That's what he's saying. And so now, look, look at what happened. Joshua divided up all this land on the east side of the Jordan, and many of the tribes got that land. That land was a plain. It was flat. It was filled with trees. I mean, you, you can go into on the east side, so to speak, and guess what? You can just relax. There's no giants to fight, right? You could take territory there, and life will be a what? At ease. Who doesn't want ease? So many of the people, they, they got their portion of land in the land of ease. But when it came to Caleb, Caleb said, I don't want a land of ease. Because you know what? That is not God's promise to his people. A land of ease. Caleb said, listen, I want the land that is hilly. I want a country that is filled with, with, with giants. That's the spirit that Caleb had. And Caleb said, give me that. Uh, I, I, I want to continue the war with God. And, and the, you know, in Judges chapter 1, the Bible said, and they gave Hebron to Caleb. As Moses said, and now listen to this, and he expelled, hence, the three sons of Anak. <laughs> that is so powerful because that's what Caleb had said way before. That, hey, listen, remember there was giants in the land? Hey, those three giants, they were still there today. The work was not done. Caleb finished the work, so to speak. He went in and he slaughtered those three giants of the land. Jesus is calling people today not just to be disciples. Watch me. 
But the mountain you and I face as Christians is this, that he has called us to be disciple makers. Many people are content with just being Christians. Are you here, my friends? And they have never bring one soul to God. They have never worked to expand God's territory and can say, this is what God is doing through my life. There's many people who are content with just coming to church and being a part of church life and go home and come back again, and that's fine to them. But it's not fine to God. God is saying, listen, listen, if you want to follow me wholeheartedly, that's not my kind of lifestyle. That's not what I consider to be wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly means you can continue the pursuit of kingdom expansion. Go, therefore, and make disciples. This, this message, it's, 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 such a, it's such a deep and such an important message to us today as Christians at Garland. We can't settle for less. We can't settle for the plains. We've got to look to the mountains. We've got to bring people who are suffering out there, don't have any idea of Jesus, and bring the gospel good news to them. In the early church, they started this with 120 disciples. By the end of the book of Acts, guess what? When they were trying to count, they ran out of numbers. You know what they said? Myriads were being saved. Do you know who myriads is, is, is connected to in the Bible? You're talking about angelic numbers. There are so many people being saved all across the Mediterranean that, that people were just flocking into the church. That started with 120 at the beginning of the book of Acts. These people knew what it meant to live life wholeheartedly for God, and we have to follow what they did. What are some of the things they did, Pastor? They did some of this. In the church, they were both public and private. There was no such thing as a public church in the New Testament. They worshiped publicly, but they always had a group privately that nurtured them. Are you following me, folks? Church in the book of Acts, that's why they grew so fast. It's because of these small groups, these house churches that they lived with. But then, very powerful. The church was no more. The church in the church, if you were a part of the church in the book of Acts, nobody had a need. Can you imagine being a part of a church like that? I hope Garland is like that. Nobody had a need. You know why? You'll be in your house church and you wouldn't feel ashamed in bringing your need to the people who know you best. No one had a need. Everyone was a disciple maker in the book of Acts. In the church, the pastor was not the priest. So no one depended upon the pastor to do ministry. I'm talking about wholeheartedly today. No one depended upon the pastor. Ministry wasn't for the pastor. Ministry was for the laity. And the pastor was a part of the laity. Ministry belonged belong to every single person. So now the church people are looking to the pastor to do ministry. No, 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 friends. Ministry belonged to you as well. They did not need a sermon every Sabbath. You better know that. No, they didn't. Uh, they, they, they were a sermon themselves. They prayed. They, 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 they read the word. They went and shared the gospel message. They all function within their spiritual gifts. This is what it means to be wholeheartedly 
in the expansion work of Jesus Christ. I have a statement here that I'm going to finish with, and then I have a little story for you. Jim Elliott said this, We are so utterly ordinary, thinking about the Christian church. So commonplace. While we profess to know a power that the 20th century do not recognize with. But we are harmless and therefore unharmed. We are spiritual pacifists, not militants. Conscientious objectors in the battle to the death with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We are sideliners, he said. Coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers. While content to sit and leave the enemies of God unchanged. Listen to this. Wow. The world cannot hate us when we are much like them. I'm not done, I'm not done. Oh God, he said, oh God, that you would make us dangerous. Oh God, that you would make us like a Caleb, a man who's ready for battle every single day. Make us dangerous. Anybody here want to be a dangerous Christian? Where the gates of hell cannot prevail against you or the church? Where all kind of habits are overcome by the power and glory of God. Let's be dangerous Christians. We can only do that if we decide to be people like Caleb who choose to live this life wholeheartedly for God. Stories told. of a fire captain. One day he called all his men together and he said, listen, I have a word for you. They met together in this meeting and the fire captain said to, he said to all of the folks, he said, when you think about a train, what comes to mind? One man put his hand up and he said, you know, you know what comes to mind? You know the part that I love the most in the train? Man, I love the light. I love the light. You know why? Because when it's so dark and the train light comes on, it just brightens up everything. You can see the creatures, everything around. If, if I could be a train, a part of a train, I would be the light, he said. Captain said, anybody else like any part of the train, any other part? Another person said, Captain, you know what? I, if I could be a part of a train, I want to be the horn. You know why? Because see, the horn, when that thing sounds, you can hear it from, a, you can hear from miles and miles away. It's so loud. I mean, if I could be a part of a train, I would want to be the horn. We ran and ran and ran till finally one old fellow stood up and said to the captain, 
the captain, if I could be a part of a train, I want to be the coal. Exactly. Coal? What do you mean by that? Coal. Little old man said, you know what, Captain? Without the coal being burnt, there wouldn't be any steam. If there's no steam, there's no energy to drive the light. There's no energy, no steam to come out of that horn. And there's no motion taking place for that train. Then he said, Captain, the thing about coal is this. It plan, its plan, its purpose is to be burnt and spent for the sole purpose of motion. The train can't move without coal. Jesus is saying, friends, he's calling all of the Garland Faith Community Church family and friends, all those watching online, what is it that you want from church? Do you want to be seen? Do you want to only come and get your fill and then go? Or do you want to be a part of the process whereby you are burnt and spent for the movement of God's mission on planet Earth? What do you desire to do? The challenge is here. And the call is now about to be made. For any person here who feel within their heart that they have not been following God wholeheartedly, that there's areas of your life, perhaps, that you know between you and God, areas of your life where you are not following God 100%. You've been reserving that side. You've been going back to that side when you feel like. Areas of your life that are not fully devoted over to him. And you are reluctant to give it over because it pleases you. Maybe God is calling someone today to make a change. To say from this point forward, I want to be a Caleb who live an unwavering life of belief. I want to live a life like Caleb. Where I'm committed I'm committed to a self-denial that's contagious and attractive. And I want to be like a Caleb. Somebody here, maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe he's speaking to you online today. And you may be saying, I want to be like Caleb. That I have a passion deep down within for God's kingdom expansion. God is willing to forgive. He's willing to give you another chance. If you feel like God is speaking to you today, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'm going to invite you to stand today where you are watching online, anybody sensing the call of God that I want to be a Caleb who follows God wholeheartedly. I'm going to invite you to stand, come forward, whatever you want, however you choose to show your acknowledgement to God. I want to be a Caleb. Praise God. Folk, you might be, as I said, listening online. The message is for you as well. You can make a decision to follow God wholeheartedly right now and ask him to forgive you of all your sins, empower you with the Holy Ghost power and to give you a hope of eternity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you.
You're truly a good God. You gave us this biblical character called Caleb to show us the path forward. You gave us Caleb, Father, and his story to be our story today. But beyond that, you gave us Jesus Christ who died on Calvary and prepared a path so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can have a right standing with God. There are people here today, they're standing. They're standing online, wherever they are watching this sermon. And they're saying, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for living with a divided heart. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for living with a heart of unbelief. Father, there are people out there today who are saying, Father, I've been, I've been following you the best I know how, but I'm still on this growth path. I need to be like Caleb. I need to be like Jesus. I need to be a person who is wholeheartedly devoted to you. So as you forgive, empower, bless, inspire, and may this church be changed and all the people within it now and forevermore. For we ask it in the name of Jesus that the church of the living God say, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.